0: Hi, my name's Hutton and I'm a Geoholic.
1: Hi, my name is Dr. Nick Smolofsky, and I'm a Geoholic. Thank you for staying tuned in for another amazing edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We here at Bad Elf live our lives 60 spatial seconds at a time, and we know you do too. As always, our goal is to cram the most relative spatial news content into the shortest space and time possible to provide you the best contemporary perspective. For this week's spatial news, we're discussing the recently completed 2021 Waste Management Open, one of the most popular golf tournaments in the world, often known as the loudest place in golf, boasts usually more than half of a million visitors per year and just recently took place this past weekend. And in 2016, the PGA Tour and Phoenix Open single-day attendance record was for over 201,000 fans. The most popular location for spectators is the famous par-3 hole, nicknamed the Coliseum. Sometimes also known as one big ol' party, as many co-eds from nearby Arizona State University are often in attendance. I do believe there has also been a history of naked streakers in attendance, too. For planning and maintenance purposes this year, the tournament committee utilized lo- a local Arizona company called Aerial Spheres. Uh, Aerial Spheres comes up or uh, has a solution called the XP360 that allows for immersive daily experiences that gave the necessary stakeholders at the PGA numerous vantage points of the tournament and surrounding areas, permitting them the ability to zoom in and out as well as pan, tilt. Etc., to get the needed perspectives. Personally, knowing the Aerial Sphere team and using their products for research, I can attest for their amazing aerial solutions, including their integrated 360 degree aerial imagery with location based services, or LBS. Built upon nearly a decade of research and patented technology innovation, Aerial Sphere is changing how companies plan, develop, and market their properties, products, and services. I honestly do not know what we did before we started using XP360 from Aerial Sphere on a daily basis. It helps us with every facet of planet uh, planning, said Shara Hussey, assistant to the uh, tournament chairman. XP 360 has been a game changer for us, and we hope to use it every year moving forward to help manage uh, the Phoenix Open. A little quote from Cheryl there uh, attesting to its productivity of this aerial geospatial technology. To say the least, if you haven't thought about employing innovative and modern aerial solutions to your next project workflow, it may be time to consider it. And if you love golf like me and have not been to Arizona for the Waste Management Open, y'all are missing out. All right, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed our selected story of the week. As always, if you have any questions about this news, about Bad Elf GPS or global positioning systems, or have any other questions persisting or pressing into the exiten- existential thoughts about the cosmos, please feel free to email me at nick at bad-elf.com. That's N as in November, I as in Igloo, K as in Kilo at bad-elf.com that's bad-elf.com thanks y'all really appreciate it we love you over and out
2: a little uh, picking and a grin in there I love it (laughs) I've been getting into some uh, bluegrass lately, I'm not going to lie. Welcome back, folks. We appreciate you being here for episode 69. Shoots, what you got?
0: Jared Allen. I love that one. I looked him up on Wikipedia, and it came up as an American curler and former... (laughs) Pro football did player. It really? Yes. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> he was the fourth round pick for the Kansas City Loser Chiefs. Sure was Uh-oh. excuse me. <clears throat> Five time <laughs> Pro Bowler, four time first team all pro. Uh the Idaho State Bengals retired his number wow. forty-one from college. And forty one. He wasn't he was in the jackass movie. That that's where oh, yeah, i yeah, remember That's right. him from. That's right. That's right. That's right. I
2: did hear a conversation on sports talk locally the other day about him making it into the Hall of Fame
0: it's gonna happen yeah i think i think with the 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 resume he's built yeah yeah, it sounds like it it's inevitable not first ballot but he'll be he'll get there
2: i can tell you i've watched him live in person curl Mm -hmm. he is not going to be a curling hall of famer (laughs) there's no doubt in my mind that's not ever going to happen
0: he was better at beating up quarterbacks than absolutely no question no question
3: remember the uh pink mustang he had out here, and it had the uh, like the horns on the You know how they used oh, to do really? that? They had the horns on the front. Oh, he's, I didn't he's know got that. a shoots. And I were talking too. He's got that restaurant on Mill. That's the, right. The lodge. Yeah. Yep, the lodge. Local business owner. Support mm-hmm. local. He's got a place out here.
2: <laughs> all right. We, of course, are recording live and in person from the Cobb Fenley Sue Studio, as we like to call it. Um, the Wi Fi has pretty much sucked lately. So fingers crossed we can get through this. We're all tethered to each other's phones, so uh, like I say, fingers crossed. A couple house-cleaning items before we blow your minds. First, the Branded Bill's hats are a hit. How do you get one, you ask? That's easy. Become a Geoholics patron by simply going to patreon.com, search for the Geoholics, make a monthly commitment, and Bob's your uncle, as they say. You will be receiving a Geoholics fan pack that not only include this awesome hat, but a bunch of other really cool Geoholics swag as well. Second, please take a minute and follow us on all of our social media platforms, those being Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. It's by far the best way to keep up with all things Geoholics. PJ, tell us about that opening number.
3: All right, guys. That was Carolina Blue Glory Bound Train. Carolina Blue is a Brevard North Carolina-based band whose roots run deep in the tradition of Bill Monroe. The band was formed in 2007 after the release of the album Nothing So Blue. Carolina Blue won the South Carolina State Bluegrass Championship at Reno Fest in 2011, and they also received their first Vocal Group of the Year nomination at the 2018 SBGMA Award Show. Their most recent Pinecastle Records release, I Hear Bluegrass Calling Me, debuted on the Billboard's top five Bluegrass album charts and has recently made its debut on the National Bluegrass Survey's top 15 albums chart and has produced their number one hit song, Rusty Rails. Very good. Very good.
2: <laughs> one correction we'll have to confirm with our guests whether or not I'm right on this. I think it's Brevard. Oh, North shoot, Carolina. What I say, Brevard. Brevard. Yeah, yeah, probably Brevard. That's like something McKenna would do. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shout out to this week's highlighted or featured friend of the program. Uh, this week we have our good buddy Trent Keenan at Diamondback Land Surveying, and since shoots took one for the team last week and did the uh, the lengthy cyanic automation. Read. I'll take this one. So here we go. Diamondback Land Surveying LLC provides complete surveying, mapping, and construction staking solutions for residential, commercial, and public works projects. DBLS is a firm made up of highly skilled professional land surveyors with over 200 years of experience in the public land survey system and construction surveying. Diamondback's seven professional surveyors are licensed in Arizona California, Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oregon, South Dakota, Utah, Washington, and they are also licensed as a certified federal surveyor, being only one of 1,500 nationwide. Their survey team takes great pride in being professionals in all aspects of their work and emphasize on-time service that maintains an excellent reputation in the construction and development communities by consistently providing top-notch services to their clients. Last but not least, you can find them at diamondbacklancervang.com and they like to say that they are dedicated to building and maintaining an excellent reputation.
0: And most importantly, Trent Keenan's a hell of a dude. He is a hell of a dude.
2: No <laughs> argument there. All right, our weekly pod word. So what do you think about this one, Shoots? How about we go with Camaro. Camaro. Yeah. Ah,
0: it makes sense. Oh. The dog. Yep. Okay. All, All right. I gotcha. So this week's I'm pod picking word up what you're laying down. Yep. Here. Is
2: Camaro. Just a reminder here's how this works listen every week, jot down each episode's pod word. At the end of the month, email said pod words to us. And I'm going to use it again Bob's your uncle. Your, na- <laughs>
1: your
2: name will be entered into the drawing for that month's listener prize, which this month is a personalized watercolor painting by Connie Barrett. If you don't know who she is uh, and you don't know what she's doing for a check her out on Facebook. We're so excited to be giving away one of her paintings this month. So again, the pod word for this episode is Camaro. There we go. And
0: I'm writing it down because I'm entering.
2: This is a great prize. Great (laughs) prize for sure. Uh, Let's catch up with the fellas. Producer Jake, how, how are you doing, man?
3: doing all right okay after that
2: that weekend that was a rough one
3: yeah a little super bowl cleanup um obviously didn't go the way we wanted it (laughs) i went back and listened to as i was editing last week's episode and man was i being cocky so looking back (laughs) on that now it's cringy (laughs) to listen to so it's time to introduce a little bit more humility back into it so we're going the the optimistic route we got a lot of years left with pat we're we're humble from here on out anything we can get oh well, Hudson did say, "How dare Jake bet against the goat?
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, he, how dare I? He
3: called you out so hard. Yeah, Hudson's <laughs> a
2: wise little
3: guy. Speaking of bets, Hudson and I did have a bet on the game, and I yes. lost, and I have to render payment. So, um, yes, you
0: did pay up. Yep. I will. I will tell vouch the listeners. For that? Yes, mm-hmm. you, you did pay up, but uh, we're going to hold off on that until you can actually see him in person. Yeah, and, and pay up. And cool, you could see the smile.
3: Yeah, but. Good weekend. I mean, on the bright side, I won my first race sailing, so... That's uh, the whole that's weekend awesome. to wash at that uh, point. Oh, you got to explain this. What happened? Just Lake Pleasant first race. Did I was he like a ribbon? Or I wish like that? a trophy. That'd Nothing? be awesome. No, I thought everybody
2: gets trophies these days. Yeah, not at no. the lake. It's just just hardcore the lake out there. Anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's funny. Ryan,
0: how about you? Uh I can't complain. The weekend was pretty darn good. I enjoyed watching that game, mm. and Hudson was very happy and. Literally, when he was going to bed that night, he had the biggest smile on his face, and he said, "Legos are coming my way." So
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That
0: that al- that alone made it all worth it. And uh, other than that, just playing golf and getting my nice. backside kicked on the courses but nice. about, your backside yeah <laughs> I, 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 hey I'm keeping that's kid it, friendly keep it a pc here boys <laughs> what about you Delphi delph
2: oh geez well i mean i'm gonna brag a little bit on my wagering this past weekend i got the parlay of tampa bay plus three and the under so that worked out really well for me there was a couple other Prop bets that I didn't win, but I did hit that one, which basically I broke even as a result. So uh, I tried to tell Jake, he didn't want to listen. Uh,
3: yes. I can't do that didn't to bet against listen. him. No, <coughs> Presley did win the uh, coin toss, so she felt good about that. And we, she was trying to get in on the Gatorade color, but oh geez, yeah. I didn't even. I had to turn it off. I didn't even see what color it That's was. That's Funny.
0: little side note: Did you guys like what? What was your opinion of the the halftime show? Awful. Did, yeah, terrible. I, 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 I liked bored.
3: it just because it was highly produced. Bring back
2: Prince. It was highly produced, but I was just bored. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, jock straps I, on everybody's
3: heads running <laughs> around. Well, I don't know what the it, hell that you was. You know,
0: everybody has to wear masks or whatever. It made
3: sense because yeah, he not had jock that. And well, and the I well, can't feel my face thing. Yeah, you know, it made sense, oh but I was
0: just, I, I, overall, I was just kind of bored. It was I, awful. I, I want like the 18 different bands and play yeah, the hits. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. The only thing I have, I, uh, you know how we always talk about give to get, you know, that's something that I, I think we, uh, we try to live by. And, uh, I mean, it's been a bit of a rough week for me already and it's only Tuesday. So, uh, trust me, I don't tell these stories to like pat myself on the back. The reason is that I, the reason I do tell them is that I hope that someone listening will, you know, give this a try and see what happens. So I'm on my way to work this morning and I decide to stop at uh, salad and go for a breakfast burrito free plug. Don't get used to it. The line was long and and there was a homeless couple on the sidewalk, like right where I was stopped in line. So I gave them a couple bucks and uh, I was next in line to order. So I had to move up. Long story short, when I get up to the window, the girl says, this one's on us. Hmm. So I got my breakfast, my uh, breakfast burrito and my cold brew for free. There you oh, go. Just
3: so that either they probably saw? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, so okay, oh, they're just a coincidence. It was a
2: coincidence, yeah. yeah. But that's how that like whole give-to-get thing yeah. works. Yeah. That's yeah. how
3: it works. Great breakfast burritos and great iced coffee as you well. You can't beat a two ninety nine. <laughs> are you kidding and me? And the dollar for the iced coffee? Unbelievable. Give-to-get. Give now to get. I know
0: where I'm going tomorrow morning. Exactly.
2: All right, let's get moving here. Uh, safety apparel, safety share. Shoots, what do you got for us this uh, week?
0: This one's a personal favorite of mine. Uh-oh. Here are some tips on good techniques for washing your hands. Oh. Wet your hands with running water, either warm or cold. And then turn off the tap and then apply soap. Rub your hands vigorously for at least 20 seconds. Make sure to scrub all surfaces, which include the backs of your hands, wrists, between your fingers, and under your fingernails. Now it's time to rinse your hands, making sure you wash them all the way the soap. Well, wash away all the soap. Yep. Dry your hands using a clean towel or air dry them, depending on where you're at. Yep. If possible, use a towel or an elbow to turn off the faucet and then. If you can't wash your hands, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer that contains at least sixty percent alcohol.
3: Mm. I think you might have missed the part where you sing "Happy Birthday" twice. Well, you
0: can do that, but <laughs> well, the lovely Carrie was saying that you got to like scrape your hands with your fingernails. That's yeah, a doctor on your do. palms yeah. because oh, wow. like the the creases in your hands. And I didn't get that deep on it. Just what wash it. You, just wash your hands.
2: What if you just had a bucket <laughs> of Everclear? Could you just dip your hands in the bucket and bam? I think
0: your hands might fall off. <laughs> you do it too I, many times, I, right? I, trust me, man. My hands get so dry with washing them as much as. Oh, I me do. too. So yeah. scaly on the back. Oh yeah. Yep. It, it, just wash your hands. Put lotion for boys. Put some I, lotion I, on. Hey, I do that. I put it on. I'm the too tough to for the lotion. A lotion,
2: little eye cream.
0: I, I do it all. Uh, you know? I, 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 know. I love you how, how, you, I have I love how you call that out on me. I well, no, I do, ow, I do it, too. I do it, too. All right. So, yeah, at the end of the day, the safety apparel safety share is wash your hands. All right.
2: There you go. I like it. It's that easy. And I can honestly say I've washed my hands more than ever for, over the last year. Oh, yeah. For absolutely. Sure. What yeah. about your phone? Uh, it needs a good, <laughs> needs a good <laughs> <scrubbed> scrubbing, <laughs> that thing. It yeah. needs yeah. a once-over. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's, let's get on with this here. Our, uh, our esteemed guest this evening is Dr. Tony Nettleman. And a couple little bio things here to uh, really impress you. Tony was born and grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Get this, he has completed a BS in land surveying from New Mexico State University. Go Aggies. A MS in geospatial surveying engineering from Texas A&M. Corpus, Crispi, Crispi. <laughs> <laughs> Corpus Christi, crispy. Corpus Christi. Go!
4: I think you're hungry. Go Islanders. Did you know that, shoots? I did not, did not know, know that. that.
2: He's. I don't even know what the hell this is. A juris doctor or JD from Florida International University. Go Panthers. Did you know Was, that? Wasn't uh, what's his name the coach there? Who?
0: The guy from. What's uh, his name? No, the guy from you know Alabama. <laughs> Nick Saban? He no, might have been. He might have been. No, the offensive coordinator.
2: So we'll, we'll find out what the JD thing is here in a minute. And he's got a PhD in geomatics from the University of Florida.
0: Go Gators. There you go. Go Gators. There you go. He's Do- got a PLS. Dr. Nick is proud right now. <laughs> yep. He
2: holds a PLS license in Alabama, California, New Mexico, South Dakota, Texas, and Florida. Uh, he is the president and owner of Nettleman Land Consultants and director and trustee of the Nettleman Institute of Surveying and Engineering Technology. Oh, and did I mention he is also an attorney? Oh my goodness.
0: Oh, that's goodness. it?
2: That's it. That's, that's all I got. Huh. <laughs> to say, How
0: lazy is this guy? <laughs> to say, like, say that
2: I feel like a worthless POS right now is an understatement. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the Geoholics, Dr. Nettleman, and we are honored to have you uh on and taking the time to grace us with your virtual presence
4: yeah well thank you so much for having me and you know call me tony have been talking a lot lately
2: all right perfect <laughs> i love it i love it keep it casual so i didn't even mention that you also have four airplane ratings that include private commercial ifr and seaplane how do you have time to do all this
4: well you know just set a goal and do it and wait for the next one you know I have a bad habit of collecting licenses and things like that. So, (laughs) as soon as I finish one, I just want to go to the other because I'm so excited. You know, you'll go cruise Florida lakes or, you know, go do something crazy. I mean, then you're done. You think, well, I survived this. Let's do it. Just go do it again. Wow. That's
2: crazy. (laughs) So, I mean, my ignorance here. What is IFR?
4: So IFR is instrument flight rules. So you can fly okay. in clouds and stuff like that. Gotcha. It's low
3: visibility and just literally yeah. flying only on what's in front of you in the panel. God, that
2: sounds scary. Yeah, it's scary. a crazy trip. That's like, isn't that, isn't that how you get like vertigo and stuff like that? That's
4: how you avoid it. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, you know, weird spatial distortions, your ears do funny things. Like you think you're falling and you're really going straight, it's weird. Gotcha, gotcha.
2: So just so we can circle back real quick, what is a, what is a JD? explain what that is. So
4: a JD is just a law degree, you know, 3-year basic law degree. Gotcha. And if you want to practice as an attorney in any state, you got to have a JD. So that's just a an a graduate degree.
0: Gotcha. Oh he downplays it so hard. I know. <laughs> it's like I would struggle for that yeah. Throughout my entire
2: life. Here's me with my associates. <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's just three years. And- <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm going to put you on the spot right out of the gate um, just as you know, sure. as an icebreaker, I suppose. So with all the education that you have, all the publications that you've authored, uh, which I also didn't mention, and all the teaching that you do and have done, how do you, and I hear people say this all the time and it drives me crazy when they say it, how do you respond to the folks that say, those that can't do, teach?
4: I would say they're absolutely right a lot of the time. I've met a lot of professors who could not set up a total station. If they had a gun to their head, you'd say, set up the total station, or or, this is your last breath. (laughs) They wouldn't make it. You know, it's It's scary. So I'd say that you're absolutely right. You know, I'm not here to defend anybody or any degree. It's just, you know, what do you need to practice? And you have to pick that. And it could be nothing, or it could be a a PhD, whatever you want to do. Yep.
2: Yeah. Good points. Good points. Can't argue with that. Um, so really, I mean, what we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about a few different things, but one of the things is you know, kind of dissecting property disputes. And there's a number of different kind of property disputes. You know, there's ownership rights, ownership lines, rights of use, and water rights. Um, talk just a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about ownership rights and the type of disputes that occur.
4: Gosh, you know, I would say there's no such thing as a property dispute. There's only a personality dispute. Mm. If you hate your neighbor, you're going to sue them over the property boundary or over the dock Mm. or over anything else. So this has nothing to do with like surveying or lines or it's all about personality. But when two personalities meet that don't get along, you know, oh, you better watch out.
2: Yeah. Good point. Good point. How so? How do you uh, how, how do you see those kind of disputes being avoided? Then is it just a matter of two neighbors just kind of uh, you know taking it upon themselves to to iron it out? But unfortunately, that's not always the case, and we end up in court.
4: Well, you know, I think a lot of people will say, like, well, what about mediation? What about arbitration? Let's solve this. Uh-huh. Let's just come together and work it out. That usually never works because of the personalities. So you know, you have to have a third party. Independent, neutral person come in, oh. do the survey, and a lot of times you got to look these people in the eye and say, "Hey, look, you don't have a good case. You know, you 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 are going to spend a lot of money on this, and you probably will not come out ahead." And if you say that as their you know surveyor, uh-huh. they may listen to you, but um, unfortunately, a lot of people want to get into disputes, and I. You know, I, I handle disputes from Oregon to the Virgin Islands, so everywhere. And you have to be, you know, you have to be honest and you have to tell these people how it is at the start. You know, if you have a good case, I'll tell you, like, you know, you, you are correct, you know, objectively speaking, this is your land. And if you want to fight for it, I'll help you. But a lot of the time, you'll have to say, hey, look, this is a bogus, this is bogus as heck. You know, you should get out now, but if you don't want to get out, you've got to find a different surveyor because it's just not worth the drama.
0: And by yeah. the time somebody like yourself gets involved, it's not as simple as a beer and a handshake. Mm. Yeah, it's probably past, yeah, past that exactly, point, right? Yeah. It's past that. It's got like past, past that said, point it's, already. It's the people that are involved rather than yeah. the actual land.
2: Yep. And I, I'm sure that pride comes into play a yeah, lot. sure principle takes yeah. over. You yeah. just, just want to be right no matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, yep. what are the most common property disputes that, that you've seen throughout your career? I mean, is it an ownership thing as far as title and boundary goes or is it more of an easement thing?
4: Well, you know, that's the exciting thing about what I do in the consulting practice is It's always different. Like You never know who's going to call you with a crazy story because life is so much more weird than like a textbook. So it could be, I I had a call from a gentleman last year. He's a surveyor. He's being sued for $12 million because he reviewed a title commitment for a property and it was like a 600 page document. Well, he did not realize that there was a page missing. There was a page two to one of the documents and The client didn't know it either. So when they closed the property, they paid the money, did all this stuff, and the client sues them for $12 million. And the surveyor says, what about your real property attorney you hired to review this? What about the title company that did this? What about, what about, no, we don't care. We're suing you for it because we like our attorney. We like our title company. So you're going to be the one who pays all of it. So. or it could be you know neighbors fighting over a dock neighbors fighting over a driveway um, the only one constant i have is the property has to be very high value otherwise it's just not worth you know their time to pay me to help help them solve this mm.
2: yeah for sure i'm just curious in that case and i don't know how much you can talk about it i mean is the surveyor on the hook for that or how 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 does that shake out
4: Well, I mean, it's all my opinion. So all I tell you is, you know, I think that land surveyors examine title in order to locate boundaries and, you know, show easements like the geographic location of things. Land surveyors do not really examine title to pass judgment on the quality of title. Is it marketable? Is it feasible? Is it legal? I mean, I don't think surveyors have the ability to answer those things. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm glad you answered that question that way. I can think of a story here locally where a company did an ALTA survey on a, on a large piece of commercial property that was being conveyed. And on their deliverable, unfortunately, the layer <laughs> for water valves or something like that was turned off. So it appeared like there wasn't – it just ended up being this huge mess. And long story short, they ended up writing the client like a $200,000 check or something oh, like that. Oh, that's all? Yeah, and it was uh, just because, honestly, as a result of a layer being turned off when they yeah. plotted the deliverable. Uh, crazy. It's crazy. It, it really is. a lot is, of money. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So let's um, – Let's kind of talk about a couple of things here. You know, I'd like to talk about you know standards of, standards of practice and duty of care, and if there's a difference between the two. I mean, I when I I looked up and did some research, you know, about standards of practice, like how it would be defined per se, and this is what I came up with. You know, the minimum standards of practice are intended to provide protection for the public by ensuring that surveying services are completed in accordance with prevailing professional practices and current technological methods, and to provide a means by which. Professional Professional performance of the individual practitioner can be assessed. What? Yeah. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Does that does that ring a bell?
4: Sounds like an attorney wrote that.
2: I, I would imagine, right? <laughs> so, and then duty of duty of care. This is what I came up with. Is the requirement that a person act toward others and the public with the watchfulness, attention, caution, and prudence that a reasonable person in the circumstances would use. If a person's actions do not meet this standard of care, then the acts are considered negligent and any damages resulting may be claimed in a lawsuit for negligence. That makes way nice. more sense.
4: That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So I've in, testified yeah. against and for so many surveyors over the years, mm-hmm. you know, in, in California, in Texas, in New Jersey, if a client wants to sue a land surveyor, they have to get another surveyor to write an opinion before they can even file the suit. Mm. And I love that because yep. you can't just sue a surveyor or an engineer or a doctor just because you feel like it. Mm-hmm. You've got to have someone else pass judgment, at least kind of initially. Yeah. And, you know, that's the question. You know, did you act like a reasonable land surveyor or did you not? And that's fuzzy, right? I mean, how do you know? I mean, what right do I have to pass judgment on, you know, you three? But you have to do it. You know, you look at the textbooks, you look at the um, minimum standards in the state, you look at CEU presentations and court cases and statutes, and you say, well, did this guy violate the Florida rules of surveying? Did This guy violate the Minnesota standards of practice? And a lot of times you can say, hey, look, there's no North Arrow on this map. This should scare me. Yeah,
2: (laughs) True. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I think, and I mean, I'm, obviously, you can attest to this better than anybody, I'm sure, because you've been involved in so many of these cases. But surveyors can be very stubborn. And surveyors, for the most part, think there's only one answer and it's their answer. And they become Can't very confirm. hard to deal with when they're questioned, which is unfortunate. But that's how a lot of these things get to the point where they become, um, you know, litigious, let's say. Um, one time in my life, I got asked to check another surveyor's work um, because of a concern <laughs> about a property line. And I'll be honest with you, I think it takes a certain kind of person to do that. I, I mean, I did the job, but I felt so bad doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this guy, I mean, whether or not he's right, wrong, or whatever, I mean, I could have made the same decision, and who, who knows? It's just it puts you in a weird spot.
4: Yeah, it does. I mean, and what right do you have you know, to do that? But I mean, everybody is checking everybody else. You know, that's just a fact. Uh, you know, years ago when I was growing up, you know, 10, 12 years old, I used to read my grandfather's textbooks for like editing errors and like just see what's going on, interesting stuff. And I read that every surveyor's work has to be able to withstand collateral attack. So if you better do a good enough job So if another surveyor shows up and questions you, everything you do is defendable. Like you can prove everything. You can prove the monuments, you can prove the methodology, you can prove your results, your analysis. And if not, then your survey is probably going to be successfully attacked. Now, how often does that happen? Not really. I mean, like 99% of surveys just get stamped and they get filed and that's it. But- There's always that chance someone could come behind you and, you know, attack your survey. Is it good enough to be attacked? That's a big question.
2: Yeah, all good points. I think it's like as a surveyor, I think, you know, when when any survey I do, I approach it like this could go to court. And as a result, you know, I mean, you got to really focus on, you know, doing the due diligence, of course, the research, you know, field procedures, whether you're doing a boundary survey, topo, construction staking, you got to take accuracy requirements in consideration if there's photogrammetry involved. You you know what you know what goes along with that there shoots and the, the deliverables you know like if you know if, if you have the best looking deliverable I mean it's very appealing to the eye but if you look at it and the first thing you see is that the north arrow is either not on it or pointing in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah. then I mean automatically red flags are going off you uh, know? absolutely yeah for sure and uh, what do you, so on that same topic and we we talk about this particular thing on a, on a number of episodes what do you think. What 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 are the importance of field notes like handwritten field notes in the field book? Are those as important as ever, or can a data collector be admitted into court in the same manner?
4: Yeah, it's a great question, and you know I say uh, field notes are really important. I still do them. You know every survey I sign and stamp, I've been to the field, I've done the research. My I do it all myself. There's like a crew that goes out and does it. I hate. Hate hearing that, but you know I think that there are some times where field notes are great, like writing down descriptions or taking a testimonial from a neighbor. All these things, but also you have to have the data collector because I can't write down every measurement. I mean it's killing me. X Y Z two thousand times in a day, not going to happen. So you have to have both written field notes and data collector file. And then it all kind of comes together to do your analysis when you get back to the office.
2: Yep. Good points. What what are you seeing with, you know, of course now, I mean, technology is advancing so rapidly. Of course, there's, you know, there's LIDAR scanners, whether they be terrestrial or mounted on a UAV or even on a plane for that matter, Um, you know, and just the use of drones in general. I mean, are you seeing an uptick in any sort of disputes as a result of those technologies?
4: You know, I wish I did because I love UAS, I love laser scanners, all these things, but it's really just traditional boundary easement, water boundary issues. I, and it, it's so kind of sad that the one thing I ask whenever I, I have a land surveyor that I'm going to testify against, like he's, a get, he's on the other side, basically, I, I have this list of questions to ask the surveyor during the deposition. Yeah. And the first question is, what equipment did you use? What was the serial number? And can you show me the calibration and the dealer um, you know, servicing receipts? Oh, what do you mean? This is a 14-year-old total station. It's never seen the inside of a dealer since day zero. <laughs> well, how do you know it's accurate? Yep. Silence. Yep. I love that. Now, you better be darn sure that every time I go do a survey, I make sure my calibration certificate is up to date was how dumb would I feel if I asked this guy this question and think (laughs) of it, let's see yours. (laughs) Yeah. And it's happened before. Let's see yours. Okay. Here it is. You know, I I never want to be the person who, where the pot calls the kettle black.
2: Yeah, for sure. No doubt. That's, that'd be a really crappy situation to be in. You show me yours. I'll show you mine. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah,
4: exactly. You know, (laughs) I've had that happen before. I was in a, I was in a deposition and the guy said, who has the bigger, you know what you show me yours and I'll show you mine. Yeah. I said, okay, let's go. (laughs) You well, never now, took me up on it. <laughs> now a lot of the disputes, these are the personalities.
0: Yeah, the disputes you're mentioning, a lot of them are uh, water boundaries. How does that exactly work? I'm I'm not familiar with that.
2: Not in Arizona, anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, where, not a whole lot of water here. So. Yeah. Where would it be? A yes. thing? like a lake. Oh gosh, a lake? The ocean? I mean, geez. Uh, oh
3: wow, they do yeah. that boundary disputes in the ocean. Oh, here we go. Oh, now I'm interested. Just give us a little bit of something on this one. Now, you now what mind. do you guys
4: like more? Do y'all like boats more? Or do you like airplanes or cars more? What's your favorite?
2: Boats and airplanes.
4: <laughs> okay, boats. That's a good one. What about you, Kent? What do you like best?
2: Oh, gosh. What was it? Was boats, airplanes, or what?
4: Car- or cars.
2: Oh, cars for me.
4: Okay, you're a car guy. Ryan, what about you? I'm going to have to go with airplanes. Okay. Uh, these are all valid answers. So, you know, I've kind of taken the niche of water boundaries since my PhD topic and I like water boundaries more because it's more fluid, You know, it's, it's, it, they, water boundaries move all the time, it's a little more complicated and I see a lot of land surveyors make decisions that they cannot prove in the water boundary allocations or things like that just because they haven't taken, the who's ever taken a water boundaries course? Who's ever taken a water boundary CEU? Very few people. Well, this kind of goes to where if you're not competent to practice, you should probably not take those jobs. So I've, I've had a one water boundary property where five surveyors as the water boundary. Crazy. So that's the fun part. You never know what you're going to get into. And it's it's not as rigid as like the priority of calls, junior senior rights. You know, you, you basically have to provide equity to all the landowners, and how you provide equity, you have to write a full kind of little dissertation about how you did it, because you have to prove what you did, like what method, what measurement, what scenario, all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, so shoot, have you ever heard of a Thalweg?
4: No. No, I have no idea what you
2: just said. Or oh the, yeah, the thread of a, like the thread of a stream. Okay, or the the thalweg. Do You know what that is? Is that like the delta? No, so the thread tertiary like uh, <laughs> inlet. So the, yeah. so the thread is, and hopefully I'm right on this. If I remember right, I mean now I haven't dealt with water in forever. The <laughs> thread, I think, is the the center point between the two banks. Oh, I know this and now. The, the, thalweg. the thalweg
3: is right in the middle, right? Well, the thalweg the bank?
2: is the lowest point. Okay.
3: Is that, is that right? The, the deepest. Yeah, yeah. The deepest.
2: The deepest point. Wanda.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Look at this guy. If
2: He's
0: an expert. He's pulling that out of his backside. <laughs> Pretty much.
4: Well, hey, you know, I, I was testifying just last week in a court case in Florida and I, the judge said, well, where is the center of the lake? And I said, it could be the medial line or wow. it could be the Thalweg. I can't tell you, you have to decide. And he said- the Thalway? What the heck is that?
1: You blew him away. See <laughs> okay. that?
4: Yeah, blew his mind. And yep. the attorneys, they stopped too. They said, What the heck is that? And the court reporter said, How do you spell that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me Google that real quick. I really wish I yeah. had that answer. When so you it's asked it's me. really interesting,
4: all these different terms and terms of art. It's really fun because you may have a hundred surveyors who will do a land survey on a property, but hopefully you'll have like one that'll do a water boundary because they know. This could if I pass judgment, if I do a survey on a ten million dollar lot and I'm wrong, what's going to happen to me?
2: <laughs> yeah, not, not, nothing good <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah just exactly just I, I just got back dollars. from Palm Beach doing a water doing a survey of the intercoastal waterway of a couple of properties. It was a lot of fun, wow, you know in Florida you're up to your arm and like muck because the monuments are so far down from the hurricanes. Oh. It was a crazy trip yuck and it was a. Let's just say it's a crazy trip. Coming yeah. back was crazy too.
2: <laughs> uh, also, I can think about it as alligators when I think about stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. No, thank and you. And snakes. A lot uh, of snakes. We're spoiled out here in Arizona. I just think
0: about Chubbs. He lost his hand. Chubbs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Chubbs.
2: <laughs> so I mean, what, I, one more thing on this topic. Um, so obviously, you know, like when. The, the, the sections in the United States were originally laid out of, you know, the methods of measurement were a compass and a chain. And now we have GPS, we have robotic total stations. I mean, we have so many different ways to measure things. How does the, the way or the method of measurement, wha, how, when does that come into play on on most of the disputes that you see?
4: You know, really, it's more of a methodology, like what kind of methods you use to do the survey versus the equipment. Gotcha. Because, I mean, you can do a good job with a five second total station versus a one second. Now, I use the half second or the one second because I want it to be the best. You know, I want it to be the absolute best money can buy every time. But it's not required. I mean, you can do a five second total station job and close well and have no problem. So, a lot of the time, it's you know land surveyors ignoring monuments that are in the ground, land surveyors ignoring deeds that have been recorded things, you know, big things like that. We're in the weeds, but it's usually the, the major errors that come up the, the most.
2: Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, so, of course, we have like the new Alta NSPS standards coming out here in a couple of weeks. I think on the twenty third they go into effect. Um, are you all polished up on those?
4: I have been reading some of them and I like yeah. the, the new kind of local accuracy wording and things like that, but I, I, would, I would have a hard time remembering exactly how, how to do that by hand. Like exactly what does, you know, how do you compute local accuracy? Can you pull out a full cova- covariance matrix and do this? Hmm. Or are you just going to go to your AutoCAD or your Trimble, you know, business suite and click apply? Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> which is what 99% of us do, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm guilty too. Yeah, I like what they did with um, table A item 11 with the utilities. That's always that's always a pain. That one just has so much liability attached to it.
4: Well, you know, I've learned to always author a survey report that goes along with the survey map and explain what I did. But I have an entire section at the end where I say I, what I did not do did not locate certain easements, did not locate the flood zones, did not, did not. I think my academic training has taught me to just like fess up to what you didn't do. So everyone knows it. Like there's no ambiguity. These are the 10 things that did not get done. And that's just how it is. If you want it, you could pay more money and I'll be glad to do it for you.
2: Yeah, no question. I mean, that's great advice right there. Yeah. Um, what I'd like to look at next is kind of like kind of the phases of a dispute, you know, kind of from a surveyor's perspective. And I know, you know, there's, I'm going to run through these real quick and we'll circle back, you know, the initial consultation, there's the review of the records and the research, you know, a a site visit, as you mentioned, pre-trial prep and a trial. And some of these things, like when you start talking about pre-trial prep and the trial, I mean, that's some scary stuff right there. It could be, especially you don't have your, uh, all your ducks in a row, as they say. So just kind of briefly touch on each of those. Talk about the initial consultation just a little bit.
4: Well, that's a great one. You know, I was thinking about this all the time because I've taken on clients that I wish I never would have taken on. So, you, know, this is, you know, maybe even like last year, a person who never should have signed on because they had unrealistic expectations. And I always say that the land surveyor and the attorney are the team. You know, you have to be completely aligned together. The attorney has to use your facts and then argue his case with the procedure. So the initial consult, it's taken me 20 years, like working with my grandfather, working on my own. It's taken me so long to get this system down. But we do a three-step process here at NLC Expert Services. You know, the first step is just a phone call, like a 15-minute phone call. Who are you? What's your problem? And a lot of the times they'll say crazy things like, I can only spend a thousand dollars. Or I'm in the middle of a DUI case and I think I could have my DUI dismissed if I'm in a different county. Can you help me? I mean, just crazy things. <laughs> wow. So that's the first like weed out point where you say, well, I thank you for your time, but unfortunately, don't pay me the money because you're going to lose your money. You know, don't waste your money. You need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that's free. Then we do, if, it's, if I say, well, it sounds interesting. It sounds like it help you. Send me some stuff. So send me your documents. I'll look them over. So we charge about $2,000 for a couple hour initial review. Look at their stuff and you say, well, gut feeling, yes, I can help you or no, I cannot help you. They haven't signed anything except a one page form that says who they are and what they want at this point. And if they survive the second step, the initial consult, then they get a full contract. And this is very important because you do not want clients who you cannot help. It makes them crazy. It makes you crazy. Like It's taken me so long. This is like a business side versus a surveying side, but I'm not a very good business person. So I, it's taken me a long time to learn what not to do. And I'm sure you, you guys have done the same thing, learned hard lessons.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. So that's
4: really the initial console, you know, taking a person from a first phone call all the way to signing the expert agreement. And then... You do the fun stuff. You do a survey, do your research, do your expert report. I love going to trial because I feel very, very confident in everything. If I'm not like 99% confident, I just won't answer it. I'll say, I don't know. And I, I don't know is a valid answer.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you if you as a surveyor have done your, I guess we'll call it a professional duty, um, you shouldn't have much to worry about. At that point, it comes down to... Analyzation and decision-making, right? Would you agree?
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it comes down to what I always tell people. It's not about my opinion. It's about the textbook, the statute, the case law's opinion. So I'm just taking all of those sources oh. and applying them to this situation. And that's it because no one's paying me for my opinion. I mean, who cares what I think? I'm just a, you know, I'm just a lonely surveyor in Texas, North Carolina, you know, you don't want my opinion. You want, the, you want the best sources of law to apply to your problem. And the good thing is, if you present that in your report, the attorney and the judge can also use that.
0: And now, if your client is in the wrong, so to speak, are you afraid to tell your client that or it is what it is and you just have to- It is what it is. Okay, and if they're the in book. the
4: wrong, they will never get a full contract. You know, they'll get an initial consult, they'll get the truth, and they'll basically be told, you know, what's up because they don't want to be an expert. Because I'll be telling the judge and I'll be answering all the questions honestly. So it, I'll be testifying against them, basically. That'd be horrible. Pay someone 500 bucks an hour to testify against you? What kind of masochistic <laughs> stuff is this? Wow.
2: Yeah, no doubt. You just got to rip the band aid off, as they say, right? Exactly. Yeah.
4: I mean, and Oops. people appreciate that, you know. I agree. A lot of attorneys will get a case and they have no idea what a survey is. They have no idea what a monument is or prior to calls. So they want like an honest opinion. What do you think of my case? And I give people bad news all the time. And it's just, it's how it works. I mean, you want the truth, you paid for the truth, you'll get the truth. And they'll say, thank you. And they'll either drop the case. or they'll go find another expert, but at least they know the facts.
2: Yeah. I mean, once one side or the other is going to get bad news, yes. <laughs> it's just, it's just that simple. So what advice, yep. what advice would you give like a surveyor who, you know, is unfortunately in a situation where they're, they're going to trial over one of their surveys, what advice would you give them, you know, I guess, as it pertains to pretrial preparation and even on the day of the trial, what, what, what are some things that you, you would tell them?
4: Well, I could talk for an hour about that, you know, I'm doing a water boundary seminar for Iowa next month as a scholarship deal for some of their students. And one hour is devoted to expert practice. I've seen so many land surveyors testify in court and do crazy things like they won't stop talking. You know, what do you think about your survey? And they talk for 20 minutes. Well. Or they show up to court in like flannel shirt and blue jeans. Everybody else is wearing a suit and tie, nice outfit. Even the court reporter is dressed nicely and the surveyor shows up. And what kind of professional image does that give to the surveyors? The only person in the entire room without a suit and tie comes in in muddy boots. Why did you do that, Joe? I'm a surveyor. I survey in these boots and I wanted to come here and show everybody my boots. It's not helpful. (laughs) Not helpful. Yep.
2: Yeah, that first impression, right? It's almost like looking at a plat and there's no north arrow. It's the same type deal. (laughs) Exactly.
4: So you know you want to come in. You want to dress nicely. You want to be well groomed. You want to not smile. You don't don't smile and don't laugh in court or in deposition. But be friendly. You know, when you get on the stand, say hello, Your Honor. Good morning, Your Honor. People appreciate you're calm. You're relaxed. You're ready to do this. And if you're calm, you got nothing to hide.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then,
4: go ahead. And then you come in and you make sure. Well. Preparing for a deposition or trial does not start the night before. It starts like two years before making sure all your work is 100%. And if your work is 100%, then you're just chill. You're relaxed. You're happy to be there. I love getting cross-examined by the opposing attorney because they're spending thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. They're getting nothing for it. I'm telling the absolute truth. I'm being completely honest. And The facts speak for themselves. You know, the monuments speak for themselves. And I'll tell them all about surveying, all about the Thalweg, all about priority of calls. And a lot of times the opposing attorney will just stop in the middle, just like, done. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not wasting any more money and I'm not wasting any more. I'm not letting this guy talk more because the more he talks, the more truth comes out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the more it hurts our case and yeah exactly you know, it, it's 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 that first date mentality of just show up look your best speak softly carry a big stick that whole thing and just you got the facts behind you what do you have to worry about
2: yeah just exude it, confidence yeah
0: you have that confidence of knowing that you're right if and you're prepared you should have nothing to worry exactly. about. exactly and yeah though no, that that works wonders
2: Yep. Absolutely. No question. Um, let's talk a little about being an expert witness. I mean, that's what you do, right? Um, how, I mean, besides yourself, I mean, hopefully everybody calls you to be an expert witness based on whoever listens to this podcast. But if somebody's out there looking for an expert witness, what are some things that they should be looking for?
4: I hate to say it, but I mean, it, it's all credentials. You know, I mean, this is a battle of the experts. And a lot of times it's a local surveyor versus another local surveyor. What's the truth? Nobody knows. I mean, the attorneys don't know. The judge doesn't know. The jury's confused. So if you've got a big enough dispute, you've got to find some kind of national expert to come and sort out the mess, which has been going on for years. And you have to do it objectively through you know, a, your own survey, your own research, your own report. And you've got to have enough credentials and enough It's really about teaching too like you're teaching the judge and the jury and the what is a thalweg no one's ever heard of this can you explain a thalweg in 15 seconds i'm sure you just did i'm sure you could So you'd be a great expert with this so it's all about having the heart of a teacher and going in with no animosity no preconceptions just going in there to solve a problem as best you can and then have fun while you're doing it because if you're having fun I had a judge was having, we were measuring things, in the map, doing all kinds of stuff together. He was having a blast. He says, this is the most fascinating case I've had in years. Hmm. What a pleasure. You know, what a, what a nice thing to see.
2: Yeah, for sure. You said something there that really struck a nerve with me because I'm, I'm a huge believer in it. I mean, for to be a good surveyor, to be an expert, uh, and just to be a professional, and we spend a lot of our time educating, you know, whether it be educating our clients, you know, that happens at least, I mean, that's something I feel like I'm doing on a daily basis. And you just said it at a much higher level. You're in a sense, educating the judge.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And even before that, you know, the client is stressed out. They're in like, they're in a corner, they're worried about their property. How can you solve their problem? Like, it's not about you, it's about your client. And if you think you can help them, you have to teach them from day 0. Well, how do you do a survey? Why do you need a survey? How will the survey solve your problem? And if you spend like 30 minutes on the phone discussing like the steps involved, how to a survey can help you in your case, if you have a case or not, you know, if you spend that time helping the person understand why they need something, they're much less likely to call someone else and say, Can you beat that price by hundred bucks? What's your what's your lowest number? And they're not going to do that. They're going to listen to you as a as a person of sage advice. And if you can say, I will solve your problem or I will help you solve your problem, they're hooked. Yep. Yeah,
2: definitely. How do you how do you avoid being, you know, you hear the term hired gun? How do you avoid, you know, taking on on and, and that role in being a true expert witness?
4: Well, you know, I think it's all about objectivity. You know, telling the clients if they're in the wrong, just straight tell them because you don't want to be called up on the stand or you don't want to stamp a survey. that's not 100% accurate. So that's why I do the initial review before they ever come on as the full client because I've had to tell a lot of people last year they were in the wrong. I mean, a lot of people. And they paid you know two thousand bucks a pop to hear why they're wrong. It takes a big person to listen you know to a different opinion. But I think you know sitting down with them, explaining why they're right and why they're wrong, and if there's a gray area, where do they sit in that gray area? And then they can decide what to do because a lot of people are reasonable you know if you say this is a poor survey you brought me and here are 10 reasons why they'll probably listen to you
2: yeah
0: and that two grand essentially it you're writing it off like okay i know i'm wrong do do a lot of people try and pursue it further with you like where they say okay i know i'm wrong but i want to sink more money into this or do they just write every it off and, so often? Make
2: me write. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like Isn't just if there I throw money at this. Yeah.
4: Exactly. But a lot of times they don't. Like they they knew or they had a feeling in their gut like something was not quite right. And a lot of you know, I don't work for individuals, I work for attorneys only. So if you're a landowner, you hire an attorney, the attorney hires me. So there's no emotion involved. The attorney's just there doing his job. And if you tell him like the facts and how difficult it'll be in his job to do this, they'll probably not want to do it either. Mm. You know, we're in the same boat. We're both professionals. We don't want loser cases. We don't want loser surveys. So let's be honest with the landowner up front, and maybe they'll do something different.
2: Yeah. Good point. I'm curious, um, what percentage of surveyors do not have errors and omissions insurance?
4: Gosh, I have no idea. I'd say probably very few surveyors have it you know, and this goes back to the mom and pop versus the big business you know difference. A lot of mom and pops do not have it. A lot of big businesses do have it so uh, you know in Florida, if you do not have errors and emissions, you have to put that on your survey on the face of the survey. Wow, so everyone knows it.
3: Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. errors and admissions know. that's just a policy that pays out if something does come up wrong, like they they cover it? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's not cheap. really. And it's not like a requirement, obviously, to have it? Well, I mean, it
2: depends what you're doing. Like if you're doing an ALTA survey, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they basically have to prove that you have errors and omissions insurance. But, you know, like like Tony just said, you know, a lot of these smaller companies don't have it. Hmm.
4: Yeah, funny story. A friend of mine in Florida is a surveyor. He does like anything, ALTA, Boundary, Hydro Surveying. He's He's a cool guy. He's also a diehard barbecue um, contestant, like a mm. cont he competes. But anyways, he was surveying in a park and he was surveying like a, you know, doing like a, a layout. So he put his, uh, he put his total station in the middle of the path where he's surveying and he put cones around it. So people would know not to go near total stations, dangerous. A bicyclist ran into the cone and sprained his ankle and then sued him for like millions. Oh, wow. What happened? The insurance company paid the bicyclist for hitting the cone. Oh, my gosh. Oh my and the bicyclist said, well, the cone's dangerous because it's in the middle of the of the path. And then the surveyor says, the purpose of an orange cone is to alert you to a potentially dangerous situation. Wow.
3: That's
2: crazy. But it, was,
4: it, it was crazy. He's still mad. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> how, how could you
3: possibly, even the sprained ankle, like- M- millions of d- like dollar like met what medical bills how, how- what's his his case? emotional I'm-
4: distress i mean wow, uh, who knows man. but i mean you can sue anyone for anything so wow you know oh, i man. mean
0: so much emotional yeah, i mean distress lawsuits this are, are a
4: <laughs> plaintiff's game because you can sue anyone for anything there's really no downside i mean why not sue them for millions what's what's the <laughs> worst that's going to happen so you bad hear
2: no so bad shoes is running late today and there was a little emotional distress there. Maybe I should uh, <laughs> hire Tony to take care Sue that.
0: I made it. I was <laughs> on so time. Funny. Come on.
2: All right. So let's move on here a little bit. So surveyors, you know, licensed or, you know, registered professional surveyors, you know, professional land surveyors, there's all different acronyms that are being used. And and uh, every state's a little bit different as far as what it takes to become a, a registered or licensed surveyor. Um, you know there's this this mix of education versus experience you know for example here in Arizona you know no post secondary education required no continuing education required uh, one state over in New Mexico four year education you know ceus the whole deal is there a is there a best like median for surveyors like if you could propose something that would apply to all 50 states what would that be
4: gosh I don't think you can do that. There are no there are no facts, there are no journal articles, there are no studies to tell us like if you get a bachelor's, are you 25% less likely to become sued for a liability than an associate's? There's none of that. There are no that's and that's what's the frustrating thing is. I mean, you have to decide, you know, what you need to practice. I feel like I have to have a PhD and a law degree. Because sometimes I'm dealing with title issues. Sometimes I'm dealing with boundary issues. We're doing water boundaries. I could be in the Virgin Islands next week and then Oregon the week after. I mean, you have to be able to a very elastic mind to take in all the different state rules to apply them to do a good job. But if you're in, you know, a small town or you're in a big city and you're only doing boundary surveys, do you really need a PhD? No. That'd be a waste of money and a waste of time. It'd be stupid. So, you know, you, Kent, Jake, Ryan have to decide what do I need in terms of education and experience to practice competently? And that's the only question. Yeah, no, I, that's
2: a great answer on that. Um, so we've talked about pretty much everything, or not everything, but most everything that you know, Nettleman land consultants do. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about Nettleman Institute of Surveying and Engineering Technology. Tell us about that.
4: So, you know, when I was working at Texas A&M, you know, a couple of years ago, I saw a lot of non-traditional students that really could not join the program because we shut down the online program. The administration thought it was too expensive, uh, you know. The, the students did not want to move to Corpus Christi because it's, you know, it's not a small town, but it's not like Austin. I mean, I wouldn't trade Corpus Christi f- for Austin. And a lot of people were left out. You know, they want to get licensed, but it requires a four-year degree in Texas until recently. Now it's a two-year. So there's so many working professionals that have no ability to get the education. So they basically get stuck as a survey technician. They have a lot of potential, but they have no money. They have no time. They got kids, a wife. Um, they, have, they don't want to move you know, 500 or 1,000 miles to get a degree. So I started NYSET as basically the way for working professionals to get their credit hours to get licensed. We do a certificate right now, which is a one-year, 32-hour, but we're getting the associates online this year getting a bachelor's online in two years. Uh, we're, We're approved to operate as a higher education institution, which is awesome. So it's just, it's a baby. You know, we're growing every day. We got like five or six students. But I think in five years, the public universities are going to be terrified because people can get education cheaply when they want to. They can pick their topics. It's about the student it's not about the university.
2: Wow, that's awesome. And I've talked to some people here recently um that I've come in contact with that are have even mentioned or suggested the idea of almost doing like a like a land surveyor uh, camp, for lack of better word, where, you know, they <laughs> would literally be at this camp for a week, let's say, and, you know, run through all the different- 24-7. Field, yeah. field procedures <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, love that. It's not a bad idea, honestly, you know.
0: Just
3: to kind of boot camp.
2: Yeah, almost like a surveyor's boot Instead camp. Instead of spreading out yeah. all
3: that time over the next year, mm-hmm. get it all done right at once. Yeah,
2: yeah, for the for like the field side of things, yeah. you know. I mean, yes. obviously, obviously Yeah, we do yeah. that.
4: At nice that we do a one week, you know, 5-day okay. we go to a camp, we okay. live together, we eat together, everything. But it's funny how everyone thinks a great idea we will f- rewind 100 years. If you were a surveyor in college 100 years ago, you wouldn't go for a week you go for two or three months to live in the woods.
2: So true. And then
4: everyone's attention span shortened. Like, let's do it in one month. and let's do it in two weeks. Then let's do it in one week. Well, could you imagine convincing a college kid to move to the woods for three months? <laughs> and they had to. Every bachelor's student had to go to the woods for an entire summer yeah. to get their fieldwork done. Hmm. And the professor and the dean of the program would live there too. So you would all live in this like, camp the entire summer. So talk to your, you know, grandparents and they'll tell you they did this.
0: I think if you put me (laughs) back like 15 years ago, I probably would have done that. Now now I got the wife, I got the child. It's it's a whole bunch of work. Well,
2: that's why Tony's doing this and creating this program. 15 15 years ago, I (laughs) would have done it.
0: Yeah? I would have signed up in a heartbeat. <laughs> I
2: don't picture you as a camper.
0: No? No. I, I did that. Uh, that was my whole childhood. Fishing wow. and camping. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now so I'm, much I don't know about now, you. Now I'm too prissy. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that right. sounds like fun. Right? Go live in the woods for an entire summer. But yeah, I mean, you got to you gotta do this when you're young. You know 18, 19, 20. After that, it's not going to work because you got obligations, you know, you got bills to pay, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I couldn't go right now.
2: And let's let's uh make it clear right now, we're not doing a summer camp in Arizona, no, 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 no not no, in no, Phoenix, no, anyways, no. <laughs> maybe in Flagstaff
4: but... <laughs> or the Virgin Islands, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so I think like Minnesota would be cool or upstate yeah. New York would be a great place, somewhere cool in Absolutely. the summer, not like the Adirondacks, baby. No, no, Orlando.
2: For sure. Maybe even Calgary. Let's go north of the border. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you talking? Calgary. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to give you a chance to tell folks how they can find out about Nettleman Land Consultants and Nettleman Institute of Surveying and Engineering Technologies. Is there one website or is there a couple different websites?
4: So there's actually you know three because I'm splitting my businesses. I'm splitting things up. So one day when a vice president wants to take over one segment or one day when I want to sell something or give it away... It can just go on its own. I'm gonna be a I'm running my business and I'm trying to get it going so it can run without me. So the the expert services as it is at um, C Nettleman, like Charlie Nettleman.net. The test prep is um, NLC test prep, and then nyset is land survey dot com. And check out YouTube. We have a lot of YouTube videos. We post a lot of stuff. And a lot of the videos are just discussions. You know, mm-hmm. what do you think education should be like? How do you think drones will be used? And I give you my opinion, but what does that matter? You know, I want your opinion. So jump on there and, and give us your opinion about where things are going. Because thank God, all, you three are young. You know, y'all have the ability to, to decide, but we've had too many. Um, gray-haired people try to tell the young folk how surveying is going to change mm. well luckily yeah I can definitely see good stuff coming but it's up to everyone who is young to decide what's it going to be like is it going to be a trade or a profession
2: mm. <laughs> I love that one
4: you got to make your choice yep
2: yep then what? How, how, how do you feel about serving? I mean, we go on with about this for hours, I'm sure as well, but do you look at it as a trade or a profession or do you think it's just a matter of how you approach it individually?
4: Well, I mean, let me ask you, I mean, does a doctor use his hands? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a friend who's a neurosurgeon and he, I mean, he can cut like nobody else. Well, You better know what to cut before you start with the scalpel, but you still have to use the scalpel. So personally, I definitely see serving as a profession because you have to have this higher level of knowledge before you can do anything in the field. And I ask people a lot, you know, what do you think? Trader profession. Mm -hmm. And I've only had one person ever in a presentation tell me he thought he was a tradesman. One.
2: Interesting. Interesting interesting i mean i i can be so, i mean i definitely view it as a profession cuz that's how i've always looked at it and that's how i approach everything i do but i can also see how for example i'm going to use arizona as a as a bad example where there's no post secondary education required and you know no continuing education you know we kind of almost in that case Fall in the same category as a as a plumber or an electrician, which of course is viewed as 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 tradespeople. So in that case, you know, I I could I don't want to say I could be swayed, but I could see that perspective. But other than that, you know, I I think it's without question a uh, a profession.
0: But you guys still have that test, and you have to be licensed. Yeah. to be professional.
2: Yeah, but so do plumbers and electricians. Mm.
0: Yeah, eh, eh, Arizona is a bad example. Yeah, I'm just
2: playing devil's advocate. But <laughs> let's talk
4: about yeah, New Mexico. and that's great because you've got to have this discussion and there's no answer. It's like, you know, it's like being a philosophy class there. You'll never get to the answer. There's no one plus one equals two. It's how many people think it's a trade? How many people think it's a profession? And I guess your own personal opinion or the majority wins.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I've harped on this a number of times before too, but there's a, there's, you know, these, these Facebook pages out there, you know, that, that surveyors have kind of, you know, taken over and when I, and I look at these Facebook pages for content for the show actually, and they're just very, so unprofessional, you know, and I'm like, are there Facebook pages like this where, for doctors where they would, you know, <laughs> where they would act that way or lawyers <laughs> or even architects and engineers, you know, it's the surveyors that yep. seem to have to, you know, get out there and just, I don't know. Show their backside, I guess I don't know.
4: Well, you know I th- think on Facebook and Reddit as well they're venting you know they're frustrated they're having yeah. a bad day or they're just frustrated, and they want to talk to other per- surveyors about their situations. We can all I- I've had so many clients or people on the phone. can you survey just one line? Uh, can you mm-hmm. find just one monument and yep. that's what that's my my lead generation person takes those calls so I don't have to listen to them anymore. Yeah. But still he just rolls his eyes because he's like who are these people? Like they have any clue how much work we do? Nope. And it's just frustrating. Mm. Now the other thing is the Facebook and Reddit groups are really all technicians. They're not really professional surveyors on their venting. Mm-hmm. They're field technicians, you know, ticked off about getting chased by a bunch of snakes or something crazy. Yeah.
2: That's true. No, you're right. You're right. Or I saw one the other day where it was it was obviously a field guy, and he referred to you know the guys in the office as the uh, office pukes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean you're an office puke. I'm an office puke <laughs> now. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. But uh, all good stuff. All good stuff.
0: Well, Tony, you're, you're a wisdomous guy. Is that a word? wisdomous um, It is now. Thank I you. like it. Yeah. I like it. I'll it's, take it. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, coin it. it. Sounds good to me. But. uh, I need you to drop a nugget on us. Do you have a mantra that you
4: live by? You know, I'd say, you know, a good surveyor is always learning. Like, I think I have a lot of credentials or whatever. Who cares? I'm always learning something different. Always signing up for a new CEU, like a New York. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a New York surveyor, but I saw their virtual conference, sign up for it. Watch the video. Pretty mm-hmm. interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I'd be embarrassed as to how good a surveyor I am if I looked at myself five years ago or 10 years ago. So you've always got to be growing and learning. And if you can get enough tools in your toolbox, you can help anybody. You can go anywhere, help anybody, but you've always got to be adding another screwdriver, another wrench in your toolbox every single day. And it's tiring because you're trying to work and learn at the same time. It's exhausting, but you've always got to be learning.
2: And that's kind of the definition of being a professional, I would say.
4: So I would say grow the toolbox.
2: Yeah. I like it.
4: There we go. Grow the toolbox. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) That could be 2021's mantra. Grow the toolbox. I like it. Very
2: well said. (laughs) Appreciate that. Um, So I've, pretty much covered everything I was shooting or hoping that we would get through. You got, any shooting? No, I'm you got anything shooting. over there shoots? No, I'm, got good. Any-
0: <laughs> I'm not shooting for anything right now. I'm good.
2: Uh, PJ, you got any final questions? No, I thought it was good. Yeah. Fantastic. Tony, is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on that you want to get out there?
4: I just want to say thank you for doing this. It's great having young people like myself doing these, you know, national syndi- syndicated podcasts, Just keep doing it and keep having interesting guests. It it makes a big difference. The -hmm. only
3: thing I will add is next time we have you on, we'll have to talk a little bit more about seaplanes.
4: (laughs) Okay. Hey, if anybody wants to meet me up in uh, Windermere, Florida, and all the lakes, hey, I'm I'm there. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I had to take you up on that. Oh
2: my gosh. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. You don't, you don't want us three hanging Man, around you.
4: No. <laughs> Nobody I wants to. I don't know. That. I saw a video of a twin engine mm. Beach 18, B E E C H 18. Look it up mm. on YouTube. It has a seaplane. It's like this big cargo plane on floats. Jeez. You can go fly it whenever you want to. You pay a couple thousand bucks, what? go up there, you can get a seaplane rating. I, I emailed that day. I saw it this morning. I emailed guys. guy and said, sign me up. We're going to, no we're going to Minnesota. <laughs> wow,
2: that'd be awesome Well, we'll definitely keep in touch And again, thank you so much for, for uh, giving us your time this evening
4: Glad to do it Thanks for having me You bet So that's
2: a wrap, boys As I say, clearly another awesome value-adding show Please be sure to check us out at geoholics.com. Follow us on all reputable social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. Of course, download all of our podcasts from most everywhere. Don't forget to download The Geoholics app from Land Surveyors United and subscribe to our YouTube channel and Tony's YouTube channel. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We're always looking for fresh and relevant ideas, so believe me, we will read and answer your email. Finally, please support our awesome friends of the program every chance you get. Be sure to mention that you're a geoholic for the VIP treatment. Pay it forward. Add value, make friends. Carolina Blue. Glory Bound Train. Also available everywhere. Most importantly, be safe and healthy, everyone. I'm gonna ride that glory bound Train. I've got my ticket ready. It came from Calvary.
4: The day they nailed him to the...
0: Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc. at atmlv.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. at agsgps.com, Bad Elf GPS at bad-elf.com, Cobb Fenley at cobfenley.com, Cyanic Automation at cyanicautomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandsurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash land surveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.